Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. All right, so before I uh, hop all the way into this, uh, I just want to uh, tell you again how thankful I am for just the opportunity to be a part of Trunk or Treat. I got to be in the Vallejo location last night, and it was... It was crazy. Like, I don't even have, it was crazy awesome. I love that I got to make fun of people and it was okay. And uh, like, there was so much candy. It was thousands, I mean thousands. It was, the line was like endless uh, as far as the night went. We, um, we went over there and we had, I had taken the U-Haul truck to Costco and got a pallet of candy. And uh, uh, just after the event was getting going, I had to leave because we were out of candy a pallet, right? And I got on the phone and I'm like begging Costco, please stay open. We need more candy. And I went up there and we got another pallet, an entire pallet. They looked at the forklift, threw it in the back of the U-Haul. I got back and uh, at eight o'clock we had to like stop. We were like, we're out of candy. We totally ran out of candy. There were so many people. We had to we had to like tell them at the end of the line, like you may or may not get candy if you go through, but it's going to be fun. And uh, it was just so cool. It was, it was such a great night. It was such a great night of community and, uh, and Benicia, and so thankful to be in the community of, of Vallejo and just what's happening over there and just the change and just being in community. So thanks for letting me be a part of that. Some of my favorite conversations um, were actually uh, this one. I had lots of these in Vallejo. I was standing there and people were going through like, so wait a minute, I have a question real quick. So, uh, so a church... Right, like, a, like one of those places you go to on a Sunday, in like a building, like, a, like a, a church is doing this? And I would look at it and be like, oh gosh, this is my favorite part. Yeah, tell me, more about, tell me more about church. This is awesome. So a church wants to come and do this in the community? And it was like, yeah, this is great. And it, that was where I literally got to be a part of and see um, the way that we're changing the way people view the church. Because they were like, a, a church does this? Yeah, it was cool. All through candy and craziness and Baymax. It was awesome. So, um, yeah, serious. Thank you. I, last night we came and we dropped everything off, and Pastor and Ken and I were parking up those big trucks uh, at the end, and it was about 11.10, and uh, there was like a moon, some clouds, and um, one of the cool parts was is earlier in the night, you could actually see, we had those skylights, you could see that, I could see Benicia's. And we could see uh, at the same time, so it was kind of cool because we're like, we're ruling the sky. <laughs> we own this place. <laughs> um, but it was just calm at the end of the night. It was, it, my heart was full. I was, I was just, it was super dark up there and just overlooking the community and the city at 11 o'clock at night, exhausted just with Pastor Ken. And just my heart was full because um, this is just a generous and faithful community. And so you... Whether you know it or not, you were part of it. Whether you were there or not, I'm thankful for that. You gave candy. You prayed for us. You're in this community, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. So now I'm done thanking you, and now we're going to talk about Jesus. So uh, be the church. We're we're going through this. This is uh, through the book of Ephesians to the New Testament. It's actually not even really a book. It's a letter. Um, that Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, and we've just made it into a book because we put chapters and verses in there. So we've been walking through this fantastic document, this letter that's in the Bible, and we've been going through this, and where Paul's really explained to us, like, hey, this is, you're the church. This is your people. You are followers of Jesus. This is what this looks like. 
This is how we need to act. This is what we need to do. And there's tremendous wisdom in this book of Ephesians as we've been walking through it. And, you know, some people are like, hey, uh, you know, I don't know if the Bible's, you know, inspires letters and people wrote them. And this, the type of wisdom that we dig into here is what makes me truly believe that this is inspired by the Holy Spirit because this was written 2,000 years ago. And the things that we're dealing with now, today, in this space, in this room, are so relevant and so, um, so much wisdom that speaks into our life through this that just continually shows me that this was completely inspired by the Holy Spirit and by God and His Word and that we get to get into that together. So as we've been walking through and looking at how we are to be the church, uh, we've looked at different categories, and today our category is looking at how we can be growing. Now, a lot of us would think right now, I'd say, hey, when we're going to have a conversation about how we should be growing, which is, you know, we should be growing through service, and we should be growing because we should be in a Bible study and in God's Word and doing this, and we should be growing, um, you know, spiritually. Those are all things. Yeah, that's great. We've talked about that. We're going to continue to talk about that. It's a theme that's constantly there. But specifically today, when I'm talking about growing is how we learn from our past, and we grow so we don't continue to live in that space, in that area. And the thing is, is that um, when we go through life, yep, Larry's got a crazy prop. It's just who I am. So, when we go through life, right, (laughs) we're like driving our car on this journey of life, right? We're cruising around, we're looking ahead through the future, the the windshield of the future. And, you know, we ask questions like, are we there yet? Where are we going? Oh, look at that ahead of us. Wow, do you see that? And we're looking forward and we're excited. And we have this thing called the rearview mirror there that we look at to look at the things that we've passed that are behind us, right? Or like me, it's like usually when there's like a bag in the road, I'm like, did that stick to my car? You know, you've done that, right? But we... We go through life like this, driving through life, looking at the future and what's ahead of us through the windshield of life. And what happens to many of us is that many of us experience difficult moments, hurt, right? People. People are difficult. We experience anger. We experience hurt from people. We experience situations that are super scary. And then what happens is through those... We're right on here. Our windshield that's look, that we're looking through to the future begins to look like this. If you can't see that, that says past, right? So as we're driving, we're cruising along, we're trying to look to our future, but in reality, we're staring through our past and we, start, we begin to allow our past to define our future. We're bringing it with us. It's always in front of us. We wake up in the morning, it's there. It's like, what's ahead? Oh, that's with me too. Where it belongs specifically is where we don't usually keep it, which is in the rearview mirror to remind us of what's happened, but not to define us of our future right here. And so today, (laughs) I'm going to move this. So today, that's what I want to talk about is how do we grow past that? our past, and clear it off and move it off of the windshield of our life as we're moving through our day-to-day business, as we move ahead to the plans that God has for us, 
and that we've even begun to set in place ourselves. And so I get the opportunity to counseling, and when I counsel people, and a lot of people come because this is, this is their moment. When people come and they need counseling, they want counseling, they're walking in, they're driving their car in, and that's what it says right there, whatever they're carrying. And sometimes they're even getting luggage out of the car and bringing it in with them, right? They're carrying it in there. And usually when we have a conversation, it starts like this. And uh, this is a really difficult question for a lot of people, um, but it's a really simple question. And that question is, so you're here, you're driving, passes in, in front of you. The question is, how far into your future do you intend to carry the angst created in your past? People will be like, well, that's a dumb question. Well, it's not a dumb question. It's a, it's a real question. It's a difficult question to ask. And I struggled with what word to put there with angst because it's, it's more than just angst. It's you know, anger, right? And fear or anxiety. So how far into our future do you intend to carry the anger and fear and anxiety and angst created in your past? And the answer really, and this is why we, why we go to places and talk to someone and what we really truly want is we want to do something about it. No one really wants to continue to drive through looking through and allowing the past to find their future, the second question I'll usually ask people, and this is for most of us in this room, which is, how long do you plan to allow people who mistreated you influence you? How long do you plan to allow the people who mistreated you to influence you? You've, uh, you've heard great stories before. I love hearing people's story. You, you know these people. You know the people who just like, have it all together, right? That you kind of like wish you were like them a little bit. You're like, wow, you like just got it together. You got a good, you know, your family or whatever. You got a great job. You like, you play family awesome. Like you just, you look like you got it together. You're an awesome person. You're serving here. You're doing this. And it's like, wow, you're involved in that. Oh my gosh. I don't know how you do that. Like you're just amazing. And I don't know what I would do with you. You've, you've heard those stories before. Um, I, uh, I love being uh, a part of a community group in our community group, um, it's, uh, it's young families. Between like the few of us young families, we have like 22 kids. <laughs> and we put them at one house with three brave babysitters. Uh, and they give them food. And we go and we meet uh, at, a, at a different house just down the street. And we eat food together, right? Because we need to. We need to have an adult moment <laughs> with food. <laughs> And uh, my, one of my favorite parts is, is that allows us the opportunity just to talk and to share parts of our story, right? Because we're just going through it. But one of my other favorite parts is when someone new comes to our group, that's one of the first things we ask them is, why are you so crazy and have so many kids? No, that's not it, but it should be. Um, now we ask them, what's your story? Tell us your story. Like, you, you know, I, and many of them I've gotten to know beforehand. I'm like, wow, man, they got it all together. This is an awesome person. I'm so excited to be able to do life with them. This is great. I can glean from them. And you're sitting there, and they begin to tell their story, and you're eating food. And, and all of a sudden, they start talking about their story and their past. And you're like, what? What happened to you? What, what's going on? How are you not, like, in rehab for your entire life? Like, how are you even here today? How do you have kids? How did you show up? How did you make us all dinner? Like the whole, I don't understand how you're surviving right now, right? 
And I'm sure you've heard those stories. You've had those conversations with people where they just like surprise you and you're like, whoa, like you grew up how? You were married before and what happened to you? Your finances did what? What happened with your company? You lost what kind of job? How are you like even okay right now in this moment? And so I'm always like super interested and I'll ask those people in those instances and say, how did you do that? Like, because you seem like okay-ish, like you're a normal person. You you seem like you're fairly okay. You're functioning. Um, How? How did you get through or move through or or survive that season? Or how do you not have this glaring written past in front of your windshield that you're staring at? How? And it's a one word that's always in this answer. And there's many of you in here today, and if this is your story, your answer would include this one word. And that is, I decided. Every single time I talk to them and, and they have an answer to something about how they're surviving and getting through this moment, it's always, I, I decided. I decided that I was in control or had a part to play in this. I decided that I wasn't going to allow the pain and the nastiness or the anger and the hurt and whatever happened from my past. I decided that I wasn't going to let that define my future and carry it with me everywhere because I know there's going to be more pain. There's going to be more stuff to carry along. And so I decided, I made a choice. And I was like, wow. They say, I decided that my past should remind me, but not define me. They decided that their past should remind them. They should be able to look back in the rearview mirror, but it shouldn't define them where they're going, who they are, what's happening that their identity wouldn't be in that. And you see people that are in that process. I've met lots of people, even my groups, that you meet them, they're like, hi, my name is, and they're like, whoa, and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, you get a free pass. You are a mess, right? (laughs) And they're finding in that moment, that's their identity. And you're looking at them going, that's not your identity. That's part of your story. And so how do we make that not our identity, our past that's in front of us? Well, I want to tell you that as difficult it is that every single one of us has the ability to not let it. It's really a difficult journey. And it's tough to grasp that because it's, it's, it's cheap talk, right? It's really difficult walk. So how do you forget the past? How do you move on from this? How do you move from there? It's one F word, and it's forgive. And you're like, oh, yeah, there you go. It's like the Jesus word, forgive. <laughs> right? So some of you may have heard this before. You're like, oh, you're talking about forgive again. We're going to tease it out a little bit. And I hope you grasp something new from that and what that looks like in this situation. See, the deal is, is that forgiveness allows us to leverage the lessons from the past without lugging around the luggage of the past. It allows us to leverage what's happened around us and behind us without having it be in front of us or taking it with us everywhere we go. And so Paul, like I said, extremely wise, 2,000 years ago, wrote words that were full of wisdom. Um, And so we're going to dig into that and say, hey, how do we do this? And so it's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. I'm going to start. He says, in your anger, do not sin. I love how this starts. In your anger, right there is permission. You're allowed to be angry, right? So many people think, oh, yeah, I go to church. Wait, are you angry and you go to church, right? That's nonsense. Like, you're, 
Who's not angry at stuff? I think I've been angry twice today at something, (laughs) at least. He's saying, hey, in your anger, you're going to be angry. Angry happens, right? Things happen. But when you're angry, here's your choice. Here's what you get to decide, and that is to not sin. Don't allow your anger to cause another reaction, which is to sin. Be angry. There's lots of things that make us angry. People make us angry. Hurt makes us angry. Sickness and illness makes us angry and confused. There is righteous anger. I believe God is angry about these things. You see a lot of anger and frustration in the Bible, but it's what you do with it. And he's saying, hey, in your anger, it's going to happen. Don't sin. That's your decision. It continues on and says, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Now, I've heard this line for years, like, don't let the sun go down while you're angry. And I've been to like talks and even conferences where I think this dude is on cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs because he's like, I've been up for nights at a time to fix a problem because you don't let the sun go down on your anger. And I'm like, you are nuts. Like, that's just not normal, right? Like, this is not even okay. And I think you're totally missing the point here. What he's saying is, you got to do something about your anger. Now, the thing is that, like, you don't let the sun go down on your anger is like, you know, like, I got a beard. I got to clean it up, look good, feel good kind of deal. And I will leave, I will leave beard trimmings in the sink area, and uh, that will make my wife angry, right? <laughs> and she'll be like, hey, I am angry about this, and I have to, she doesn't want to, don't let the sun go down. Don't go to bed at night and wake up and be like, I'm angry about the beard thing. I'm like, that was like two days ago. That's gross. It doesn't really happen, I don't think, but... <laughs> No, but allow me to come over and be like, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, I forgive you. Please don't do that again. That's what he's talking about. Like, don't, that, that's like the, that's, that's what he's, you know, you can say, don't let the sun go down your anger. But most of the things that happen in our life, the sun's going to, you just need space. Because where we can get in trouble if we take that too literally is you can start to chase, right? You can start to chase them and be like, don't, we need to solve this now. Like, I said, I'm sorry, or what do you need? Just get over it. We need to fix this, right? That's, that could actually be more harmful. So you need to be careful with that. I just want to preface it. This is be careful. You don't, want to, you don't want to chase too hard when you're doing those things. But the question is, is what are you going to do about it? Don't let the sun go down in your anger. The question you should ask is, how many sunsets am I going to allow the sun to go down on this anger or this problem? For some of us, it's a lot. That's why we're carrying it in front of us. But we have a choice. We need to do something about our anger. So how many days, months, weeks, whatever that is, are we going to allow this to continue to happen? It continues on. In your anger, do not sin. That's a decision. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Now I'm going to jump to the, I'll go to the devil here in a second, but I want to focus on foothold. Foothold. In this instance, in this meaning, it means a staging ground, a stage, right? A place to live in. Paul's telling us not to give the devil a stage. Don't let anger and the devil and frustration a stage in your life. Because what he'll do is he'll use that anger as a stage. He'll use it as a stage. When you don't deal with it right away, and it'll set up shop and it'll continue to harm you and your future through your past. Because that's the stage right there. 
past right here. I'm just going to live in this spot, and you are taking me wherever you go. I'm heading that way. You got a stage for me. I'm rocking. I'm rolling there. He also then used a Greek word meaning liar for devil right here. And then you'll see other translations that means like person or a slanderer. So he's using this liar. So the best way to understand what Paul's saying is to replace the word devil with liar or slander or the name of the person or thing you're angry with. So to put this into some sort of practical use, you can just rewrite this whole verse right here. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give blank a foothold. Do not give blank incorporated a foothold. Do not give mom or dad a foothold, a stage in your life. Do not let Frank or your kid or you place that thing in there. So don't, don't sin in this. Don't let the sun go down it, which is, hey, you need to do something about it. And while you're at it, don't give this person or this thing a stage in your life, right? Do you really want the person you're angry with to have a staging ground in your life? I already know the answer to that. No, you don't. That's like the opposite thing you want to do. I know in most instances I heard this this week, and I don't know who, uh, who originally wrote this stuff, but it's a... You know, a lot of times forgiveness, it's, it's, it's really difficult when we allow people to have those things in our life because we end up drinking poison hoping that the other person has the effect of it. We drink the poison hoping that they die, right? And we're allowing them to have a stage, a place in our future, in our life. It doesn't matter how you've been hurt. The person who has hurt you has a permanent place in your life, in your future, if you don't do something about it. So we have a decision to make. You have a decision to make. Your past might inform you, but it will not control you. There's a place for your anger, and we have to learn to keep our anger there. And so he continues on. Uh, Just a few verses later, he says in Ephesians 31, he continues, he says, get rid of all bitterness. Bitterness isn't something that they have. They're not bitter about anything. You're you're the one who's bitter because you're hurt. You're angry. I'm bitter. So get rid of that rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind, he says, and compassionate to one another. And here's the F word, forgiving one another. Now that word forgiveness in this context specifically um, means pardon. For those of you who don't know what a pardon is, it's, it's literally like in a court of law when you're standing there in front of a judge or people and you are completely guilty. You're even saying, I did it. I'm guilty. They read off, these are the things you've done. You are guilty. We found you guilty. This has happened. There's no denying it. And then they look at you and says, you're being pardoned. You don't have to pay for this. You don't have to pay any sort of penalty. We're gifting you this. We're pardoning you from what you've done. When you're absolutely guilty of something, but a decision is made not to hold you accountable. Now, the only way to break the chain in your life with something that's been done to you and your future to break that, to erase that off of your windshield as you go forward, is the pardon. And that, friends, is probably, for most of us, the most difficult thing that we could ever imagine doing in our life. Literally. I know it's tough. I know, I know I'm even in this place where I think, like, they don't even deserve it. 
They, don't, they, they, they haven't earned this. They don't deserve me just to let these things go and just to give them a pardon. I have to be, why do I have to be submissive and, and do the forgiving thing? Like, some of us just sit there and say, well, this is dumb. But get this, God thinks you deserve it. He thinks you deserve it. That's a really difficult part because he's done it for you. He's done it for me. That's exactly what he's done. He's pardoned me from my past and my future. Anything he does. Your family thinks you deserve it. Your future children, grandchildren think you deserve it. The best thing you can do, friends, in this moment is to decide to pardon. And if you're in here today and you're not a Christian, it's optional. You know, you're listening, you're like, oh, okay, well, that, that's helpful. This is good advice. This is like counseling. But if you're in here today and you are a Christian, it's required. Because Paul continues and says, just as Christ forgave you. There's times that I, I like really struggle with that part. There's actually some moments that I'm like, oh gosh, I wish you hadn't done this for me because that means I have to do it for someone else. Serious. Have you, ever, have you ever had that, like where you've been given a gift and now you're like, feel obligated to give it back? <laughs> someone gives you like something and you're like, gosh, I wasn't even going to get him a card. <laughs> right? This thing had to cost at least $30. Dang it. I got to give him something back now, right? That's what it is. It's, it's the same thing. God's saying, hey, pardon you. You deserve it. So do they. Really, so do you. And that's really difficult. No matter what happened to you, no matter what happened to you, no matter what happens to you, it falls under the canopy of Jesus's death for you. God doesn't factor our future sin or our past sin into a future with him. You're literally not dragging it along, which is the craziest part of grace that most of us, including me, can't even grasp at times. Wait a minute, I'm not going to get there at the end, and you're not going to have a huge list and say, hey, I'm just reminding you what I'm, what I'm pardoning you from, uh, so you can be a little bit more grateful. It's not going to happen. That's not even going to be a conversation. It's not even going to be bringing up to you like, oh, yeah, that was a, that was a rough one. Good thing you said yes to me, <laughs> right? <laughs> It's not even in the conversation. And so then the tough part is when we talk about this with people, they say, well, you know, there's, there's like a lot of hurt there. And some of them, it's even like law hurt. Well, what if they like broke the law, right? And they hurt me. Well, that's, that's fine. Call the police. Let the law handle. They got two courts to deal with. They got the government's court and your court to deal with. And the government's going to take care of what they're going to take care of. And you are going to decide and take care of what you need to take care of. And we need to, and you need to, pardon as you've been pardoned. And I would add this. You go first so that you can go on. That's really tough. You go first so you can go on. So many times we're like, no, you go first. You did this. You need to recognize what you've done to me. No, you go first so you can go. Go first so you can move forward. You know, people push back. I, I want them to go first. Well, you don't have to wait for that. Most of the time, they don't even know how much they've hurt you. Like, literally. 
which is probably why you're even more upset at him. The opportunity to go first is yours. So here's a, an extremely practical application I'm going to give you. Extremely practical, and that is this. Make a list of what they owe you. Literally. It's a powerful thing to do. Some of you today need to take out a pencil and a piece of paper and start writing down the list. Maybe it's your childhood. Maybe it's your ability to tuck your kids in at night. Maybe it's your GPA from a, a professor or something, a, your career, bad credit, marriage, the next marriage, financial stuff, etc. Make a list, whatever that is, that that person or thing has done to you, and start writing it down. And your list is going to be way longer than you expected it to be. Everything that you feel like that they owe you, if you start writing down, you're going to see this huge list. And once you've decided what they owe you, then you need to look at it and you need to pardon from them. You need to pardon it. And how ridiculous is that? You say, well, how ridiculous is that? I'm just going to like let it go. I'm just going to act like it didn't happen. No, no, no. You're going to act like it happened. You're going to write it all down. And then you're going to pardon it because how ridiculous is it that you're going to look at that list and be like, wait a minute, how can somebody even pay that back? Because it can't. You can't like relive your childhood. You can't relive that moment in your career. You can't relive that moment in your marriage. You can't relive... You can't go back and fix it. I mean, there's some things that can be, you know, redeemed in these moments, but what they owe you, most of those things they can't even give you. So how ridiculous is that, that we would say, you owe me this. I have to keep hanging on to this. And so what we need to do in those moments is pardon it. Why hold someone a debt that they couldn't repay if they wanted to? And you, we have the potential to become one of those people that amaze others with their story. When you're standing there and you're looking at your future and you're reminded of your past, you can look at it and remember where you came from and what's happened and learn from it, but you have a bright future ahead of you. You don't have anything fogged up in your way. You can have that amazing story that people will be like, how did you do that? How did you get that? How were you surviving? And your answer, I decided. I decided. I had a choice. I had a decision. I decided that I wasn't going to continue to let the past paint my future. I decided, just like in verses previous to this in Ephesians 4, that I'm going to be made new. I'm going to be righteous and holy and move forward in that because that's what God has done for me. He's made me a new creation. And I'm going to live in that. Would you bow your heads? This is such a difficult conversation and an easy one at the same time. Again, because the talk is talk, but the walk is... It's hard. Application. There's, um, I believe, many people in this space today that are maybe driving through their journey in life and they've got that rear view mirror and that windshield kind of flip-flopped. You're going through life right now and a lot of things you're looking through is your past, whether it's worry, 
anger, anxiety, fear, hurt from a thing, a person, a place, something. You're driving down that road right now and you're continuing to allow it to define, to be your identity for your future. It's weighing heavy on you. There's uh, going to be some powerful moments this week. I believe as, as, as some of you just need to, to decide to really be made new again and pardon as you have been pardoned. The boldness and faithfulness and courage to walk into that space is exactly what it's going to take. Boldness, faithfulness, and courage. So if you're in that space today, I just want to pray for you for those things. Um, Would you allow me that opportunity? Would you raise your hand? Just look at me. I want to acknowledge you and just pray over this room and this space with you. Yeah, a whole bunch of us with just junk. Yeah. So God, you see these hands right now. You see our hearts, more importantly, Lord. Would you just help us break chains of just the past? God, for some of us, maybe even help us forgive ourselves. Pardon ourselves. God, thank you for reminding us that you've made us new. That means new. (laughs) Nothing of the old. God, I just feel like maybe there's some of that space in here today that it may not be a thing or a person. Maybe it's us that we're not forgiving. make us feel alive. Break those chains. Maybe um, there's somebody here today that hasn't received a part in themselves from their life, from their list, from their stuff. Proven guilty. Someone here today hasn't yet accepted you as their Lord, as their Savior. Someone here today hasn't been saved by you by your grace. Maybe today they need a clean windshield. They need to be made alive and new for the first time because of your son. So if you're here today and you're saying, hey, I've never even done this. I need a pardon in life. I need, I need a direction. I need to be made anew and alive. I need a future that you have planned for me that you are at least going to be with me and carry me through. Maybe that's you for the first time today and that step and act of faith with Jesus. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I want to celebrate you. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. It's awesome. God, thanks for hope. Thank you for joy. Thank you for grace. God, thank you for loving us. God, may we move forward in this place in just joy because it's broken. It's, there's peace that only can provide for these situations. May we respond in our worship this week, throughout the week. And may we respond in our worship in these moments as we sing out these songs to you, a God who loves us more than we can imagine. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.